It's showtime. It's showtime. It's showtime. It's showtime. It's showtime. It's showtime. Welcome back to the Showtime Movie Podcast. My name is Show, as always, and thank you for listening. Always a pleasure to know that not just my mom listens. Actually, you know what? I don't even think she listens because I don't think she knows how to access podcasts, even though my sister and I, my brother and I have shown her how to do it several several times. So, hey, what are you going to do? She's a little older, you know, so chances are people of that generation probably don't, probably aren't as savvy let's say with technology, but yes, my mom probably does not listen to the podcast. Neither does my dad, but I'm glad you guys do. So thank you for being along on this episode. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about two movies, Toy Story 4 and Men in Black International, which I guess would be Men in Black 4. I'm just going to call it Men in Black 4 because Toy Story 4, Men in Black 4 has a nice little symmetry to it. And even though you guys who listen to the podcast know that I've abandoned the uh, pairing aspect of the movies that go on this podcast long ago, it is kind of still fun to try at least somehow, some way, sometimes. So yeah, Toy Story 4 and Men in Black 4. I've seen some other movies as well, but you know, I wanted to keep this podcast episode a little short. So instead of doing four movies in this episode, we're going to do two in this episode, two in another, and then Spider-Man Far From Home. Hopefully we'll have a guest for that. If not, We'll do something fun and maybe a look around a little bit, you know. And uh, yeah, you know, another, another thing that's coming up is Independence Day in America and Canada Day here, of course, in Canada. Where else, right? The holiday is called Canada Day after all. And, uh, you know, as a result, a lot of the American movie channels have been airing tons of presidential movies. Today alone, I watched Independence Day, Air Force One, White House Down, Olympus has fallen, and I think, I guess, kind of where I stopped, and I think coming up was uh, The American President, which I, I don't know if you guys remember, was that movie with Michael Douglas, Annette Benning, and I believe Martin Sheen. You guys remember that movie? Martin Sheen was the chief of staff, I think. Michael Douglas was, of course, the president, and Annette Benning plays an attractive lobbyist, an environmental lobbyist, I believe, who... You know, they fall in love and the, you know, the president, Michael Douglas's president is a widower. And anyways, it's, it's, it sounds kind of silly. I would say it's a kind of like a, a dramedy. Maybe it's more of like a, like a, like a rom-com basically where like the rom-com subject, is, one of them is the president of the United States of America. But you know what? Considering that movie came out quite a long time ago, I really like the American president movie, you know, not the American president you know, not to bring politics into this podcast, but I don't know. I The American President featuring, like I said, Michael Douglas, Lynette Benning, and Martin Sheen. If you haven't seen it, it's a really fun movie. But the other, other movies I mentioned are kind of fun, too. White House Down, not so much, but, you know, Independence Day and Air Force One. All things considered hold up pretty well today. I mean, there are a few things that uh, I think are entertaining as Herring, Harrison Ford, Grumble... Get off my plane. Right? I mean, it's classic. It's a cla- It's a classic piece of audio, right? Anyway, so haven't seen it. Highly suggest you guys go see it. Independence Day for real, the actual holiday is coming up soon, and Canada Day even sooner. 
But anyways, let's get into the movies that we're going to be reviewing on this episode of the Showtime Movie Podcast. So without further ado, let's get into the latest edition by Pixar, the fourth entry, fourth if you can believe it, the fourth entry into the Toy Story universe, Toy Story 4. Of course, You've Got a Friend in Me is not actually in Toy Story 4, go figure, right? But sung by Randy Newman, it is kind of the song that I feel like a lot of people think of when they think of Toy Story. Like, you don't really think of the orchestral music when you think of Toy Story. You think of more of these songs, right? So I just wanted to put it in there kind of as an audio refresher, let's say. Kind of nostalgic, maybe, if you watched the original. Crazy to think that the first Toy Story came out in 1995. Isn't that kind of nuts? 1995... Toy Story 2 came out in 1999, Toy Story 3 in 2010, so uh, what's that, 11 years later, and Toy Story 4 nine years later, of course, now in 2019, and I feel like a lot of people, they had were of the opinion, had the opinion, I was going to say, that Toy Story 4 wasn't really necessary because Toy Story 3 served as a great ending, a new beginning for the toys, a great ending for the adventures with andy the original owner the original kid as they say seem to say the toys seem to say you know with woody and buzz and woody buzz and the rest of the gang get given to bonnie at the end of toy story 3 a young child because of course andy's andy's going off to college so bonnie is now the owner of woody buzz all the other toys along with her current toys right so you know it's not so it's not so crazy and it served as a, as a reminder that toys are meant to be played with and these ki- kids will enjoy the toys going forward and so on, right? So I think when they announced Toy Story 4, it was like, oh, this game's kind of like a cash grab. Is this really necessary? You know, is, is this going to ruin the, the pin that was put, you know, the nice bow? Maybe that's a better way of putting it. The bow that was put on the, the Toy Story story, right? And I'm happy to say that... While it's not perhaps necessarily needed, right? It may not be a necessary story. It's still a good story. And I think that's all you can really ask for at this point. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they bastardized some things. Yeah, like, it's not a perfect movie. But I feel like, you know, the reason it's sitting so high in Rotten Tomatoes is because so many people gave it a, you know, I mean, the whole, we've talked about this before on the podcast, but you know, the way the Rotten Tomatoes meter works is not, I think, I believe Toy Story 4 is sitting at a 98%, right? That basically means that 98% of people who saw Toy Story 4 gave it a 6 out of 10 or higher. I can't think of almost anyone who'd give this movie a less than 6 out of 10. Like, if you think it's a 7 out of 10, that I think that's valid, you know? I would probably give it like an 8.5 out of 10. And I say that knowing that the, 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 ratings the stars the out of 10 system is kind of skewed because nobody like people are very rare to give movies less than five out of ten because that you know in terms of the schooling system a five out of ten or below or below five out of ten is a, is a failing grade and i feel like people are reluctant to give movies failing grades for just being kind of kind of like right but toy story 4 is i think a pretty good movie and let's get into some of the more details here uh I think I think the most interesting place to start would be with Forky, the character who's voiced by Tony Hale, who you might remember as 
from from I was gonna, I was gonna name his character from Arrested Development. I can't remember. Um, Buster, Buster from Arrested Development, one of the four cans, and he's in a lot of. I believe now he's become more famous for uh, Veep. I want to say I've never actually watched Veep. I heard it's good, I heard good things, but anyways, Tony Hale voices Forky and. Forky's pretty funny, I have to say, because the, the, the story of Toy Story 4, in a nutshell, is Woody has been shelved. He is the toy, the only toy, really, that Bonnie does not play with. She t- even takes his sheriff badge and gives it to uh, Jesse, the female cowboy that they meet in uh, Toy Story 2, I believe, with Bullseye the horse. You know, when it's a, she, he's, she and Bullseye and the prospector, who's the villain voiced by Kelsey Grammer, are, are the set that completes the 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 vintage toy set that I guess that Woody belongs to. I don't really know what the name of it. It was like, it was like Sheriff's Roundup or Woody's Roundup or something like that. In any case, Woody is not really played with anymore. And as a result, he feels like he needs to do something to stay relevant. And so he accompanies Bonnie on her first day of kindergarten where she, you know, he saves her by, admittedly, by providing her with some creative materials like, you know, crayons and sticks and a spork and some glue and some twist eyes and so on. And Bonnie, being a child, creates Forky from this garbage, basically, right? It lends an interesting idea to the movie because it, it, it brings about the idea of what makes a toy a toy, right? Is it, is it simply the act of playing with a toy that makes something come to life, right? Because there are other toys like a, like, you know, like a Playmobil truck that doesn't necessarily do anything, but is that because it's been... It doesn't, it's not played by, I don't know, I, I can't even begin to speculate. It's, it's so weird, but Forky becoming the toy that's most important to Bonnie, it comes to life, voiced by Tony Hale, and, you know, there's some issues, there's some pretty funny parts where uh, Forky says, I am trash, and he tries to go back to the the the, the uh, garbage cans to, you know, be with the trash, and you learn eventually, he le- eventually learns the meaning of being a toy, but, of course, the hijinks ensue, and he gets captured, and, he is lost, and Woody has to go rescue him, and so on. And you basically learn that on their on the road trip that Bonnie and her parents go on, and of course all the toys go along, Forky gets lost, and Woody leaves the RV to go find Forky, and Buzz holds down the four on the RV. And, you know, during the course of the adventures, uh, Gabby Gabby, another old-time toy, holds uh, Forky hostage, and because she wants Woody's voice box. And there's some interesting themes in there about a toy finding its inner voice and a toy needing its voice to, you know, be with a child and make a child happy and all these different things. But and that, I, I think that's fine. It's a little heavy-handed, I would say. But th- those those stories are, they're completely fine. But in, in terms of the characters you know and love, right? Gabby Gabby, who's voiced by Christina Hendricks, she's great. But she's not the character you go see, right? You're going to see Tom Hanks as Woody and you're going to see Tim Allen as Buzz, right? So... They're the two characters we'll focus on. Woody and Buzz are fine as usual, right? They're fine as usual. And I would say I would say Woody and Tom Hanks slash the character is in in regular form. I was gonna say fine form, but normal form, regular form, however you want to call it. And yeah, I don't know. It's just it all seems kind of samey, you know? And nothing, like, there are no signs. You remember, you guys remember in the first one where Woody yells, you are a toy. There's a moment like that in every Toy Story film. And there's not one like that in Toy Story 4, which kind of, like, threw me a little bit. Buzz, on the other hand, has been dumbed down like crazy. It was kind of weird. Like, they make him to, make him out to be kind of like an imbecile, which is kind of weird considering the character development Buzz goes through 
in th- two and three, right? As the kind of an, another leader of the group instead of, and here he's just kind of reduced to being a kind of a big dummy, which is kind of weird. But I will say it's done kind of necessarily because Bo Peep, who was written out of the of the series after after one, she's not in two or three. She's brought back, and they kind of explain why. But she's brought back, and I think out of necessity, because this is kind of the closure of Woody's arc. Bo Peep kind of takes the Buzz Lightyear role in terms of pushing the action forward, doing cool things, like all the acrobatics and so on. So it's kind of weird that Buzz is dumbed down, but it, on the other hand, it is kind of cool that Bo Peep takes that role and kind of like really flies with it. She's like this badass, like like nomad almost. It's kind of neat, actually. Uh, but yeah, Buzz is a little dumbed down. A bit of a shame, but I mean, whatever. I, I feel like I've lost a little respect for Tim Allen after learning all the crazy stuff he said about, you know, Paul politically, I should say, but... Regardless, yeah, I think Buzz is a little weird in this movie. The strength of Toy Story 4, I would say, is the comedy. It's the comedy. You know, like Duke Kaboom is played by Keanu Reeves, and 2019 really is the is the year of Keanu Reeves. But, you know, there's some other toys they run into. So Duke Kaboom is like a Canadian toy, and there's some really funny bits with his old kid, Rijon, which, is, which I think are some absolutely gold, comedy gold. Uh, and paired with Ducky and Bunny, who are these carnival toys, that are, you know, you know, the ones you win when you like play a game and you get the balls in the basket or you shoot the targets or you fill up the thing with water or whatever, right? And like you like the names would imply, they're a duck and a bunny that are like tied together at the, you know, whatever. They're at like the they're like holding hands permanently, basically, right? Anyway, so the comedy is great with those two guys in particular because they're voiced by Key and Peel. And there's a particular stretch in the middle of the movie where they outline their plans to get uh, a particular object. And the audience was just rolling with laughter. Like, that might honestly be the hardest I've seen an audience laugh at a movie since I saw 22 Jump Street in theaters years ago. It is, it is truly a treat to not only laugh and, and, and enjoy it, but see the audience and feel the energy in the audience laugh at the same time. And Keen Peel did that masterfully. And I, and I will always appreciate Toy Story 4 infinitely more because of that. So I think that's the real takeaway is that Toy Story 4 serves as an ending to Woody's arc as a character. You know, it's a bit of a bummer. We don't get to see necessarily a proper, in my opinion, goodbye between Woody and Buzz, but it's nice to see that Buzz remains happy. Woody remains happy. Bonnie remains happy. Of course, the rest of the toys remain happy. If a little bittersweet, right? Duke Kaboom is really funny. Ducky and Bunny are really funny. Even Gabby Gabby, who is the pseudo villain, gets a happy ending because there are no real villains in this movie. And I think that's a real, that's a real treat. Hey, there's even a shining reference. And, and apparently there are a couple of shining references throughout toy stories, one, two, three, but the most overt one to me was in this one. I'll let you guys figure it out for yourselves, but I think it involves a record player. Okay. So I'll leave that out for you. If you're a shining fan, a Stanley Kubrick fan, but toy story Four, great movie, lots of fun. Lots of laughs, and it's a, it's really a movie you can take the whole family to watch. You can, I, I went with my girlfriend. You can take your kids. You know, you can go with your friends. It's a movie made for little kids and for people who have seen the original back in 1995, right? So, hey, go see Toy Story 4. All right, we did one quad movie. What, like, you know they, they say they, like a sequel and then a threequel? What is the, is there a name for four? You know, like qu- quadquel? I I have no idea, truly, but Men in Black International, i.e. Men in Black 4, as we'll refer refer to it from now on, uh, is the other movie we're going to talk about on this podcast. Kind of a weird movie, you know, has an interesting, had an interesting trailer that I I think showed some promise, but 
it's a it's weird because when you actually see the movie, uh, it's it's like not a lot of it was followed up on. You know. Anyways, let's get right into the review for Men in Black International. Oh snap! that I just had not heard it in a couple of years and it's a banger so you know if you haven't heard uh, London London Bridge before I think it's just called London London actually but anyways by Fergie you can recognize her voice Fergie is absolutely awesome in every single way ever and forever and this is one of my favorite songs by her so I'm glad they used it in the trailer because then we can use it quick, very quickly uh, as a uh, you know bit of a cue here for Ben and Black International which Hmm, is kind of disappointing, you know, kind of a disappointing movie. I don't know if you guys saw the trailer. So the 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 but in a in a in a nutshell, this takes place in present day. There is no Will Smith. There is no Tommy Lee Jones. It is all about Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson, and they're great. Okay, we already knew this. Have you seen Thor Ragnarok? you know they're great. If you've seen the little bit of Avengers Endgame that they're in together, you know they're great. Like, they have good chemistry. They have great chemistry, I should say. And if this movie, like, I think this movie got as bad reviews as, let's say, Dark Phoenix, right? And I want to say, we just mentioned the Rotten Tomato meter, right, in the previous segment with Toy Story 4. And I want to say Men in Black 4, Men in Black International, as it's called, is sitting at around 23%. Last I checked, it was 23%. I wouldn't be shocked if it's dropped below that. And I want to say the only reason it's not at 0% is because of Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. You know, because their chemistry is basically... I don't know if I would say it's worth the price of admission because if you want to see a movie that's worth the price of admission based on them, it is Thor Ragnarok, right? And... They're, they're really good together in this movie, but I don't think that they themselves are enough to just lift this out of the sludge it, it, it comes from, you know? Like, they're easily the best part, but it's just everything else is so meh, you know? Like, Rafe Spall is in it as uh, Agent... I forget what his, his number... So Chris, Chris Hemsworth was Agent H, and Tessa Thompson was Agent M. And I forget what Rafe Spall's character was. I think he was Agent O... And uh, Liam Neeson, who is the head of the London office, is Agent, I want to say, T. Oh, yes, T. Agent T. And he's like he's later called High T, like H-I-G-H, the word High T. So, of course, it's supposed to be like funny, right? Because the English, they have High T with the Queen and so on, right? But, yeah, I don't know. So, you, you learn that uh, Emma Thompson's character, who we've met in Toy, St- in Toy Story, in Men in Black 3 is I, I thought she was the head of all men in black like around the world but i guess there are different offices and or maybe she is right and she she's kind of like she oversees all the other branches because she mentions having bosses they don't really expand the men in black lore really at all beyond the the london office and i guess that the basic plot is that in 2016 chris hemsworth and liam neeson agent h and agent t 
go off to the Eiffel Tower, which is, of course, an alien monument built. It's supposed to be, I think it's supposed to be basically like the the Liberty, the Statue of Liberty for the galactic universe. You know what I mean? Like the Eiffel Tower was built by someone on Earth and was able to open gateways to other worlds where like refugees could come to Earth, which is why Earth is like a, ho- a house, uh, a, a place to house all of these aliens from all over the universe right so which i guess is kind of cool i think that's an interesting story but the (laughs) my international is so not interested in telling that story okay it's just interested in a really boring story right because the basic premise is so in 27 in 2016 again an alien called the hive which kills countless scores of beings it's kind of like a mass of writhing tentacles right that just infects and mutates other creatures is on its way to earth and t and h go and with nothing as they say but their wits and their series 7 deatomizers beat the aliens back and it becomes an, an event in, of lore on par with will smith and tommy lee jones killing the bug in the first men in black okay so fast forward to 2019 and Tessa Thompson's character who has is clearly very talented because she interviews with the FBI. We see the CIA and every number of any number of other agencies and is turned down because they think she's delusional because as a child, she had an encounter with an alien and was not neuralized. And she eventually finds her way to Men in Black and convinces Emma Thompson to take her on as an agent for a probationary period. And off she goes to London where she meets Agent H, Agent T, and his, and his urge to uncover a secret conspiracy because something is afoot in London. That's the cell of Men in Black International. Like I said, Chris, Tom, or Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson are great. Liam Neeson is fine. Race Ball is fine. Emma Thompson is pretty great, actually. She looks great in the in the suit with the white hair and stuff. She, she looks kind of a badass. But they don't expand on the Men in Black lore. Okay, the few aliens we see, like they get, we get a we get a, a really quick, basically a cameo, blink and you're miss it. Frank the Pug, he's barely. I think he has one line. The uh, cockroach kind of wormy alien guys, like the hey. Like, you know, those guys, like, they're, uh, <laughs> they're, um, it's a great impression, I know. They're in it as well. Very briefly, they're in, like, one scene, and they kind of just waltz away. So we get, like, two quick cameos from aliens we know and love from the Men in Black universe, and all the new aliens are kind of just met kind of bland. They're not very creative, you know? The kind of smoking alien gun from the beginning, and I don't mean literally, like the smoking gun narrative device that is tied into aliens, I should say, from the beginning of the movie, is used in a really in a really unsatisfying way towards the end. You know, it's kind of boring. And yeah, like the the twist, quote unquote, the twist with Liam Neeson was one that I guessed back in December from just watching the trailer. And all I could think of was, I hope this is not the actual twist in the movie. And then the surprise, I guess it's almost like it's it's the twist is that that's that is the twist. You know what I mean? Like the twist is that Liam Neeson is evil the whole time, and it's like not a shock because you knew that, right? It's it's so it's so weird. It's like you you keep you keep thinking to yourself, man. I hope they're gonna mislead me. I hope I hope they're gonna subvert my expectations, and then they don't. And because they don't, the movie is so much lesser for it. There there's a little bit of acting that I like by Chris Hemsworth in particular because it's implied the beginning and then straight up confirmed at the end that 
the 2016 incident with the hive didn't actually go down the way he remembers. And you learn that he was actually neuralized, which is why he's gone from being the James Bond of men and black agents, the super competent, badass men and black agents to being like this party boy kind of dunce since 2016. Everyone kind of wonders why he's kind of like such an asshole now. And you learn it's because he's been neuralized and has been made to be less than competent. So the, the ruse would not be discovered. I kind of like that, but it's treated like such, a, such an afterthought. It's kind of like, oh, okay. Well, by the time we, we know this now, but now the movie's over. So, okay. See you later. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. The, everything about Man in Black International is just so bland, you know? I used the word lifeless back with Dark Phoenix. Bland is the word for Men in Black International slash Men in Black 4, okay? This is exactly the kind of movie. I use my scene points for this one in Cineplex here in Canada. I use my scene points for this one, and I'm glad I did because I know, whatever, it takes a while to build up scene points, but I'm glad I did not pay my money to see this movie because truly I think I would have been more upset. It's it's a little disheartening. I think the franchise needs to be put to bed, but truthfully... Tessa, even though Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth are great, this franchise would have been better served by that rumored 22 Jump Street, 21 Jump Street, Men in Black crossover. And I think that movie kind of just did, never got made because of the leaks with Sony, but also because uh, the guys behind it, Lord and Miller, along with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill, just didn't want to make a third Jump Street movie, which is fair, but that would have been infinitely more creative and and funnier than what we got with men of black international which really is just almost so boring and bland that it's not worth mentioning at all so there you have it two quad movies you know again i still am struggling with what i want to call that but anyways toy story 4 and men in black 4 otherwise known as men in black international one really good movie one uh kind of bad movie honestly but hey there you go Anyways, I promise it'd be a short episode because we're going to do another short episode later in the week. So kind of spacing things out a little bit. So, you know, instead of a one like hour long episode, you got two like 20, 25 minute episodes, right? So there you go. A little bit of a shorter, shorter entry for your commute, let's say. For now, though, I hope you enjoy the Canada Day long weekend. It is currently the Sunday of the weekend here now that I'm releasing the podcast and tomorrow Monday you guys will be able to enjoy a day off work which I think is always really fun so whether you're listening to this over the weekend maybe you're listening to this when you're coming back from work but I hope you enjoyed the latest episode of the Showtime movie podcast thank you guys as always for listening so very much have a great night you got